Welcome to the Andy Staples Show, Bored in Quarantine edition. And I realize part of the, the country's starting to open up, but you know, all of us being in the same place for about two months, we got a little weird. Let's be honest. And that has trickled into the world of college football. And I I bring on Peter Barr, Missouri beat writer, who wrote a story about a guy who played for Michigan State, but now he plays for Clemson, but is possibly the best recruit to come out of the state of Missouri since maybe Doriel Green Beckham. Speedy Flowers. Peter Baugh, tell us about Speedy Flowers. Yeah, so the thing with, with Speedy that's really fascinating is that he's not a real person. He's, um, he's a video game character. Um, and in NCAA 2014, correct? The, the video game that people are paying like 300 bucks on eBay for now. Exactly. Exactly. So Speedy was, was created in a Michigan state, um, apartment, a sophomore at at Michigan state created a video game character named him Patrick flowers. Speedy is his nickname, uh, and went through the whole recruiting process of the game allows you to start your player as, as like, a as a high school, either junior or senior and get offers and go through the recruiting process. So quickly speedy bursts onto the scene as a national recruit and had offers from a lot of the powers, including Clemson, Texas, Michigan state. I think he had an Alabama offer, Notre Dame. He was talking to for a while. Um, he had Oregon, I believe. Cause he, I, didn't he want to play in for Oregon for a minute? He had some weird, I don't, I don't really know. Speedy's career has been interesting since he's committed to, he initially committed to Michigan state. Um, and I don't know. Exactly. Wait, wait, wait. So, so Speedy's created by a tuba player in the Michigan state band and he yes. commits to Michigan state. Yes, I know. And he, he listed Michigan in his top five and had Michigan. He kind of led Michigan on just cause he said, Michigan's been missing out on a lot of big recruits and he wanted them to miss out on another. For, for those who want to read all about this, by the way, go to the athletic and type in speedy flowers and you will get Peter's entire story on the ballad of, of speedy flowers. But this is, it was fascinating to me because this was probably a couple weeks before you wrote the story. I started noticing all these actual people who are affiliated with schools retweeting this account, this Speedy Flowers account. And I was like, okay, this obviously doesn't look like a real person. It looks like a video game. But what's going on here? And and you and I was looking and I was like, why are the University of Texas recruiting <laughs> staffers retweeting this video game character? Yeah, it was crazy. It's and it's funny how I kind of get into it in the story a little bit, but they used it in a way as a recruiting tool where they have um there's these two brothers, the Brockermeyer twins, who are in Texas. They're both top 300 recruits. One is like that. that sounds that just sounds like a a, a season long arc on <laughs> on Friday Night Lights. By yes. the way, yeah, Go both ahead. offensive linemen, both top top prospects. One's the number four player in his class, um, and so they're one of them tweeted out, "Speedy Flowers and I are a package deal." Um, and within, I think, a day, Texas had sent both Brockermeyer brothers uh, a graphic that showed them standing next to Speedy, who was photoshopped. His video game pixelated character was photoshopped into a Texas Longhorns jersey. And so they tweeted it out and got a lot of exposure for it. So, like, Texas kind of got what they <laughs> what they wanted out of it. Um, and it was 
yeah, a lot of some of the coaches have played along with it. There are a few of these other fake video game uh, recruits out there. And I know um, I think Nick Rolovich has kind of played along with it a little bit. Um, well, yeah, because one, one of them went to Washington State and then I think won the Sugar Bowl with Washington State. And the Heisman. And the Heisman. Oh, wow. Yeah. I think that was after my story came out. I think he, he pulled off a Heisman, a Heisman win. Um, so Nick Rolovich was happy about that. The best part about this is that the the tuba player in question who created this clearly follows recruiting Twitter, like understands yeah. the language of it. Like you you drop you got to drop a top ten and you got to drop a top five and you got to have your edits. You, you know, to thank God in every post. Absolutely, and of course, now he didn't say no interviews, please, when he committed to Michigan State on on April eighteenth. He just said, please respect my decision. But the 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 official cadence is. Respect my decision. No interviews, please. All glory to God. He got, please respect my decision. And then the hashtag AGTG. Yes. And I think maybe he didn't include the no interviews, please, because he wanted to be. Interviewed. I think I think he was welcoming the possibility of some some exposure for Speedy. He was he was thrilled about the chance to talk about about Speedy. His, his final five. And this is another thing I like. It felt very realistic. Michigan, Clemson, Missouri. Texas and Michigan State. He's from Joplin, Missouri. Why did did the guy say why he chose Joplin, Missouri as a hometown? So I think the game randomizes it. So he was randomly you. put at Joplin High, and he he listed. So he wanted to have the home state school. He wanted to have the big powerhouses like Clemson and um, I think yeah, Texas was in there. And then he he always knew he was going to go to Michigan State. Uh, so that's maybe the one outlier in the in the top five but makes sense when you know that he is a tuba player in the Michigan. hey listen michigan state had nick Foles and kirk cousins on the roster at the same time so they are no strangers yeah they've had very some good, good quarterbacks. quarterbacks um and they've made a college football playoff more recently than michigan so i guess it makes sense um, i don't even have ari wasserman on and, and somebody's bashing <laughs> michigan that's that's no Michigan fan is ever going to listen to this podcast, by the way. That, that it's it's done. Every every person I bring on just trashes them. We're gonna have yeah. to find somebody to just say nice things. But but no, I, it, it was absolutely fascinating the way that all went down. And even a real coach got roped into this thing through no fault of his own, really. He was just trying to make sure correct information was out there. But but explain how Thomas Hammock of Northern Illinois <laughs> wound up in yeah. this story so as these recruits do when they get offers a lot of the times they will tweet out blessed to receive an offer from whatever school and they'll tag the coach that offered them um so speedy has when he was going through the recruiting process he would tag the actual program's twitter handles so thomas hammock the northern illinois coach this is at the very beginning of the of this trend he sees that someone named Patrick Flowers has received an offer from Northern Illinois. Now, Thomas Hammock, he has a very distinct recruiting philosophy that all of he's a lot of offers out there in recruiting are not committable offers. There are people who have offers to schools around the country that if they called that coach and was like, Hey, I want to commit today. The coach would be like, we're going to actually have to hold off on that. Thomas Hammock. We're going to need to see you in camp or something like that. Exactly. Thomas Hammock all of his offers, he says, are 100% committable from the like second he offers them. He is like very adamant that he wants his offers are something he takes very seriously. This, this is what Clemson and Northwestern do. Yes. Like when they offer, you can commit right now, 
and and it's real because exactly. they just don't offer very much. But so he he sees this name and he's like, wait a second, I didn't offer this kid. So what happens next? Yeah. So he's he's pretty. He was a little like, I don't think he was mad or anything. He was just a little confused as to like, I offer. I'm the only person that offers people. I take these offers seriously. I don't want anyone kind of. He thought that maybe because you'll see. I think you even talked about this on on your podcast a few weeks ago kids all when they get recruited they'll get an offer from one school they'll tweet about it, and then within a day they'll get three more offers and it's like right not a coincidence at all so he thought maybe it was someone trying to to get some some hype around his name maybe other schools would offer um he he thought that was a possibility so he just messages speedy flowers and is like what's going on you don't have an offer for me i don't know why you think you did um Speedy sends him a screen, a picture of his video game screen that says that he has an offer from Northern Illinois. Which is like, which is part of the game. If you've played NCAA 2014 and you're doing that mode, schools will offer the player. And that's just that's just brilliant that he, that he thought to send him a screen grab of that. <laughs> it was hilarious. And and poor Thomas Hammock isn't a big video game player. He hasn't played video games in like two decades, he said. And he, and he sees this and he doesn't know what it is. So he responds, I'm pulling up exactly what he said. He said, come on, let's not start this. It's already bad with kids posting fake offers. And so Speedy, he tweets out that after a discussion with coach Hammock, he no longer has an offer to the university of Illinois. He includes a few emojis. He includes all glory to God. His, his favorite emoji, by the way, is the breathing smoke out of your nose emoji. Oh, of course. He's big course. on that one. Yes. Um, and so, and then that tweet takes off. It gets over a thousand retweets. And then suddenly Speedy Flowers is a national phenomenon. And people are, people like Andy Staples are following him on Twitter. I, I did. I was following him on Twitter probably two or three weeks before your story came out. Yeah. Because I was like, what, what's going to happen next with this guy? Because <laughs> it, was, it was hilarious because pe- real people were getting involved and real people were getting mad. Like yeah. there were some people getting legit mad. They're like, <laughs> why are the Texas guys doing this with this guy? And now to Northern Illinois' credit, and Thomas Hammock was a great sport about this yes. afterward, after he figured out what was going on. Northern Illinois' recruiting staff sent Speedy Flowers and Northern Illinois edit, like a cartoon with him in the uniform. Yeah. I actually think Thomas Hammock comes out of this looking really good because he's like, yeah, pretty upstanding with the like, I like I I think that a lot of people probably wouldn't like to hear that offers aren't committable. Like, but it's true. Like offers often aren't committable on the spot, but he's very adamant that they are. And that came through because of this. And he he ended up looking like a good sport. All his well, and how were- and how vigilant is he about this? Because. This comes across like he's not following this person on Twitter. This comes to his attention. He immediately moves to address it. So yes, he's not kidding when he says he's serious about the offer means something here. And so, yeah, I think Thomas Hammett comes out looking great here. But it's just it, it is amazing how bored we all got yeah. <laughs> that, that this was this was sports for us for a little while. But it's funny because. You know, Peter had sent me this story and said, hey, can we talk about this one on the podcast? It was a lot of fun to do. And I said, oh, yeah, let me send you one from from the good old days. And so I sent him the story of Kevin Hart. And hardcore college football fans, especially recruitniks among you, will remember there's another Kevin Hart, not the comedian, Kevin Hart, 
who was a lineman in Fernley, Nevada. And in 2008, so I got hired at Sports Illustrated to cover recruiting. That was my first beat. And so this was kind of the first big story after I got hired because I think I started like January 8th, 2008. And so this was National Signing Day 2008. And this guy in Fernley, Nevada puts on a Cal hat and says, I'm I'm signing with Cal. And I think he said his other offer was from Oregon and he might have had another offer from, from somewhere else. But Cal had never heard of him and Cal had never recruited him. And it was just, it was crazy. Now it, it unfolded over the course of the day, but the people in, in the gym, the high school coach, his parents, nobody thought anything was amiss, <laughs> which Peter, I mean, I'm trying to think in 2008, what grade were you in? Uh, 2008, I would have been 11. Um, <laughs> oh my so, God. <laughs> so I guess I think I was probably either fifth or sixth grade, I'd say. Yeah. So Facebook is less than four years old, and most people aren't on Facebook at this point. Yeah. Uh, MySpace is popular among high school students at this point. Twitter has been invented, but nobody's using it for another year or so. And so this is the sort of thing that would have been sniffed out within four seconds. Now, oh, yeah. he never would have gotten to a signing day ceremony. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because his parents and his coaches would have been like, what the heck? What the heck? But it, it's funny how much less normal people knew about the college football recruiting process before social media. Yes. Now it's very public. It all plays out in the public eye because like we've addressed, if you post your offers, you're probably going to get more. So it's advantageous to recruits to let people know who is recruiting them so that other schools get involved. Yeah. And, and as we've learned, the second you post an offer, you don't really have, somebody is going to come at you from that school and be like, and, and and this is, this happens more than people think. Like if a recruiting staffer at a school sees somebody post an offer that they don't have, they work to, to get that person to take it down or to, to get it, get it off the internet basically, because they don't want it to look like they're chasing that person. Although I, I think there are some schools that like the better, really good schools that don't care as much because th- there are coaches. I don't know if you've noticed this, Peter, there are coaches who want to cheat off other coaches papers. Yes, And they see that Boise state's offered somebody because Boise state evaluates really well. So when they offer somebody, you'll usually see a lot of people jump on uh, when Baylor, when Matt rules at Baylor, when they offered somebody, Everybody else would kind of jump on. Uh, Kentucky offensive linemen. They evaluate offensive linemen really well. If Kentucky o- offers an O-lineman, guaranteed a bunch of SEC and Big Ten schools will jump in at that point. But it, it's funny because I, I think if you're Alabama or, or somebody like that, you're like, oh, yeah, go ahead. Go think we offered this guy. Go yeah. chase. <laughs> yeah. It's funny you mentioned that. Eli Drinkwitz, Mizzou's new head coach, he made like a, a bit of a jab at I think it was on the February National Signing Day. He he mentioned that a school to the south, presumably Arkansas, uh, offers someone seemingly right after Missouri offers them, um, which which was kind of funny. And I well, don't know if that's and they are fishing from the same pond. Generally, they're very 100%. close together. They're both in the same league. <laughs> oh, by the way, the former head coach of Missouri is the defensive coordinator at Arkansas now. And so, Drinkwitz is from Arkansas, so it's all, all exactly. Fair. Yeah, it, it is amazing how all of this works. But I, I thought that Kevin Hart story was funny because I, I was just trying to imagine something like that happening now. But it, there's other stuff going on. And you mentioned this in your Speedy Flowers story where you have situations where it's not all in good fun. No. So 
there was a, a story earlier this year. Drew Hughes, who is a recruiting staffer, he's worked at Florida, he's worked at Tennessee. He moved from Tennessee to South Carolina. And the day he moved, somebody made a Twitter account for the Tennessee recruiting coordinator, Luke Hughes. And there's no such person as Luke Hughes. There's no one by that name on Tennessee staff. Drew Hughes had already left. And so I think they were trying to make Drew Hughes look bad, whoever this was, and also trying to scam some people. But basically, they started posting stuff and started DMing recruits and saying, hey, you want to come to our camp? Uh, we'd love to have you here. Uh, it's 20 bucks. You need to send a check to our admissions office, or you could just send it to my cash app right now, and I'll, I'll get it to it. And fortunately, one of the, the guys that works with one of these players, one of the older guys, saw what was going on and put it out there so that people realize, okay, this is a scam. But you know, throughout history, Peter, there have been people trying to scam recruits because everybody thinks there's like some magic secret where if you pay this one person, they'll suddenly get you a bunch of offers. It doesn't work that way. No. But yeah. this, this is more insidious because... It was like 20 bucks. You, you know the player probably has that, can probably send that on Cash App, and so they're probably going to do it, which yeah. is crazy. And he probably reached out to a ton of players and probably a lot either saw it was fishy or didn't see the message or ignored it, but a lot probably went with it. And yeah, and which is, as you said, it's pretty insidious, and it's not – I think for the most part, the Speedy Flowers stuff – has been in in good fun. He's maybe been a little aggressive lately on Twitter with some of the he's been. Well, tweeting. there's there's like rival leagues of NCAA 2014 players. I'll, I'll confess, which I had no after, idea about after the story ran. I have completely lost track of it. Like it is, there's so much going on with that I just don't understand. So they, so that that is maybe a little over the top, but it's nothing as insidious as like trying to rip off high school kids like that's well pretty, pretty yeah terrible. speedy speedy has moved from satire into now it's it's sort of the politics the politics of these different ncaa 2014 leagues yeah. again <laughs> we're all really bored here but you know before it was really good satire like there's a point where speedy tries to slide into somebody's like an instagram model's dms like <laughs> I didn't see it, every, every single thing every little stereotype that that you could have about a big time college football recruit he's done so it, it was very well played and and pulled off very well uh, considering it was a bored college student and isn't part yeah and i think the unfortunate thing for speedy is that the recruiting process had to end he had to choose a school um, that's right well he could play his college career out and then probably create a player on madden that's what he oh that's i think what he's saying he wants to do he wants to i think speedy is going to have a, a long career i saw his most recent game was I think against, I don't know. So he might've transferred to Clemson. It's very unclear what is going on with his account. Cause he, he recently played a game against Illinois and his profile picture still in Michigan state gear. So I don't know what the deal is, but he, he, his most recent game, he was 12 for 13 with 140 passing yards and three touchdowns. So he's still playing well. Highly efficient, highly yeah. efficient. So we'll have to do some investigatory journalism to make sure we know exactly how Speedy wound up at Clemson and, you know, make sure everything is on the up and up. But yeah, we'll get Grace Rayner and Colton Pouncey involved. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they're the beat writers involved. I've, we shouldn't have to do this, obviously. This, yeah, is, exactly, this is their exactly. job. So you know, we, we have other things to cover because I, I heard you had some questions about my takes on condiments. Yes. And I, I, I have very, very strong opinions on condiments. Uh, probably stronger than than the opinions I have on anything else. So I, I got to hear this. Yeah. So I 
here's the deal. I studied abroad when I was in college. I studied abroad in Belgium, um, the home of the fry. And, I know where this is going. Yes. And Belgium is a lovely country with lovely food. And I don't think that that can be argued. They have great chocolate, great waffles, and best of all, great fries. Now, there is a sauce. I don't know exactly what it is. It's called Andalus sauce. I don't know what's in it exactly, but I know it has mayonnaise um, and some other, maybe some tomato paste and some spices. And it's the best thing you'll ever taste in the history of the world. And then I log on to Twitter one day and I see Andy just slandering not only the Belgians, but mayonnaise based sauces in general, which I just I did not slander the Belgians. The Belgians were, were unscathed in all this, but there was a question that someone asked and it was something about, oh, I know what it was. I think the, the country of Belgium. Yeah, they were trying to get going, people to eat fries. Going to ask people to eat more <laughs> fries because they had a potato surplus. Yes. And the photo had the fries with the traditional mayonnaise-based dipping sauce that they, they use there. Mm. And I said, do they have to dip them in mayonnaise or are, will they be allowed to enjoy them? And I feel like that's a legitimate question because mayonnaise tastes like despair feels. It is the worst thing in the world. It is awful. If it touches my tongue, my gag reflex immediately activates. <laughs> and I, now I will admit I'm a complete hypocrite on this topic because I love pimento cheese. And I realize that mayonnaise is a key ingredient in pimento cheese. But I feel like there's enough going on there. Maybe there's a chemical change that keeps it from tasting so nasty. And that's why I can eat pimento cheese. But it, it goes back to daycare for me, Peter. Mm -hmm. So... You know, you have your nap time, the the daycare workers are watching their soap operas or their stories, as, as they call them in Columbia, South Carolina, um, and then they bring out lunch, and lunch is a bologna sandwich. Now, I'm okay with cold cup bologna. It's yeah. not the best thing in the world, but I can eat it. It gets the job done. But then they put mayonnaise on it. They could have not put mayonnaise on it, and it would be fine. Like bread, bologna bread, I could live with. But the mayonnaise just, ooh, it, and, and I never recovered. See, never. The fact that you like pimento cheese gives me some hope that if you found yourself in Belgium and tried Andalus sauce, that you might like it. Like, I think that it gives, that gives me a little hope because I think Andalus sauce, there is a taste difference and it's, I mean, it's so good. I, I think like I need you to promise me that if you find yourself in Belgium, you'll just try it. You don't have to. I like will it. try it. I'm willing to try anything. Yeah. But and, and it's weird because I don't have a problem with the base ingredients of mayo either. I don't have a, a problem with egg whites and I'm a problem with vegetable oil. Like it is it's really strange, but that particular concoction just does not work for me. And then I don't like it when people try to hide it. I also don't like it when people think they're fancy and then they've created something like fry sauce. Have you ever been to Utah? I've been to Utah, but I have not had fry sauce, I don't think. So if you order French fries in Utah, they don't give you a cup of ketchup. They give you a cup of fry sauce, which is basically ketchup and mayo together, which is basically Thousand Island dressing. Yeah. And they act like they invented that. And I'm like, guys, it's just Thousand Island dressing. It sucks just as bad as it always does everywhere else. So you're like, anti-Thousand Island too, which I guess makes oh, sense yeah. if you don't like mayo. But No, I see, I, I think mustard is the uber condiment. Now, I, I don't dip my fries in it, but I feel like mustard goes great on everything, like a, you know, like a ham sandwich or a turkey sandwich or anything like that, or uh, basically any 
sort of sandwich situation, mustard is okay. Hot dogs, you know, a chili dog, you should only have mustard. You shouldn't have ketchup on a chili dog. Uh, some people say you shouldn't have ketchup on any hot dog, and I'm fine with that too. But Yeah, I was going to ask if you're a hot dog like purist that you shouldn't. Not really. I, I, I'm a uh, ketchup and mustard on a burger, like ketchup, mustard, dill pickle, lettuce, good for me. Yeah. And I can do the same thing on a hot dog with ketchup and mustard, but I could just do a hot dog with just mustard. I'd be fine with that too. But and, and a chili dog, obviously, because there's the chili's tomato base, there's no need to have the ketchup. Just put some mustard on there. But yeah, mayo, mm-mm, no, just can't do it. it Interesting. It is just, it so is my, my condiment, like I have a 1A and 1B, and my 1A is this Andalus sauce that is probably just way idealized in my head because I haven't had it in well, years. No, but the, so in Europe, they, but like you, we talk about aioli and mayo being the same thing. They're not exactly the same thing. One uses olive oil, one uses more conventional like American vegetable oil. So there yeah. is a different flavor there. Yeah, yes, exactly. And it's so it's just dreamlike. And my one B is barbecue sauce. I can eat barbecue sauce on almost anything. Yeah, you're from Missouri. Yes. Yes. That's why. Yes. Like, like <laughs> now you're from but you're from St. Louis, right? Or where are yeah, you from? Yeah, which St. Louis has good barbecue too, actually. Yes, they do. But they're and, and KC is the one originally they don't do like the the good barbecue places in KC now are just like the good barbecue places anywhere else. They're, they don't oversauce. The meat just tastes great. But like the traditional KC places that got famous, they dump so much sauce all over everything. And it's a real like sweet molasses based yes, sauce. Yes. And it just ruins it. it oh, you're anti-sweet. Oh, see, I love sweet barbecue sauce. Well, see, no, I am, I am pro barbecue. And the law in barbecue is you don't even need sauce if you cook the meat properly. So if, if you want to put some sauce on, if you want to accentuate, that's great. But a lot of times sauce is just used to cover mistakes. And so I want to taste it without sauce first. I went to a place in KC, I think it was Elsie's, okay. and the ribs were awesome, except they had dumped all the sauce on it. And I was like, oh man, I wish I'd have known. If I had <laughs> just asked for this without sauce, this would have been perfect. Because that's what bothers me the most, I think, about places like that. And again, the newer good KC places do not do that. Um, and then, well, Joe's is not new, but they don't do that either. Yeah, Joe's, Joe's is probably is the, mo- I the most Joe's. famous place in KC now, and other than you know Arthur Bryant's and Gates, but the Joe's doesn't do that. Have you now, had Pappy's in St. Louis? I haven't. Every time I've been there, it's been a case where they, they were either not open or the line was way too long. I, I ha- I've had people text me photos of Pappy's just to tease me. I think you would look fantastic. I think you would, it would be a, like a religious experience for you. And I'll, if we are, if we are, if the world gets back to normal at some point and we are both near St. Louis, Missouri, I will, I will treat you to Pappy's because you deserve that. Sounds outstanding. I mean, St. Louis has a good food scene. It's not, it's not. What, what was this? A baked ravioli? Is that that? Toasted ravioli. Toasted ravioli. That's right. That I like the toasted ravioli. It's great. And, uh, I like the pizza. I know some people don't like the pizza, but I, I think the pizza's good. This is music to my ears. I will die on the St. Louis Pizza Hill. Um, like, I don't think there's a lot of bad pizza. There's a, there's a really bad movie called Threesome that came out in the 90s, and the, the only good thing about the movie was, was this one line, which is enduring because it's completely true. Uh, sex is like pizza. Even when it's bad, it's good. <laughs> so there, there's not really a lot of bad pizza, but I, I have no problem with the way... St. Louis cuts its pizza. It, it's 
somewhat like the Detroit style, although the Detroit style is a little bit thicker crust. Yeah. Detroit style is sort of halfway to Sicilian. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but, I, but they're not that weird. I, I don't really – it doesn't feel that different to me. It's Yeah. it's. I mean, I think it's very much something that if you grow up on it, which I did, you're going to like it. And then for a lot of people, it can be very jarring because it's – the cheese is this Proval blend that is like – it's kind of – it's objectively kind of strange and like a little like tangy with the sauce. and um, But I really like it. And I have, there are a lot of Jason Tatum on the Boston Celtics is a big emos, mm-hmm. emos yep. pizza believer. Um, See, so I've been I, crushed. I've been crushed for my pizza takes though, because so I, I went to middle elementary, middle school, high school, mostly in Florida. Mm-hmm. And they had this rectangular pizza that had this sausage like substance in it. And I didn't realize this for whatever reason, lots of people loved it. Mm-hmm. That stuff was gross. It was just cardboard with rubber on it. And I, you know, made that opinion public and whoo boy, I got roasted for that one. So maybe I just don't know anything about pizza. Maybe I just don't know what, what see, good pizza I'm, is. But see, I'm with you that like, I just like, if you put cheese on carbs and add some meat, I'm probably going to like it. Like, it's just, yeah. I, I, it's common I, sense. Yeah. Like, I don't, I'm not going to get too upset about it. I, I will say going back to the Belgians and the fries, yeah, and I realize they did invent the, the concept, but let's be honest, our friends in Quebec perfected it. They're like, I know what we'll do. We'll put brown gravy and meat and cheese curds on top of these things <laughs> and then eat them. That, that, that's ne- the most brilliant food Quebec invention fries. ever. I need to I'll need to, to try that. Well that's it's poutine is is what it's poutine. called. And, okay. and and poutine is taken over and there, there's a lot of different it's become a trendy dish in in basically all of america but people will kind of localize the poutine like i was in louisville one time and instead of brown gravy they did um, sausage milk gravy like you would do with biscuits and gravy okay so you put that on fries it's as good as you can imagine and then um i had uh chicken tikka masala fries out in california which the concept is is essentially the same as poutine. It's just uh, the tikka masala has a, has a little more curry in it. So it, it is, but it's fantastic. And you can do that. You can kind of regionalize every cuisine into its own kind of poutine. And that's my, that I, I'm trying to decide, you know, what to do. Cause this, this quarantine has caused some existential crisis for me, Peter. I don't know about you. Of course. You know, if, if there's no sports, what, what what do we do? And so I'm thinking, you know, I don't have a lot of skills if the lights go out. I'm, I I can't install an air conditioner. Uh, I'm not qualified to be a plumber. There's a lot of things I can't do. So I need to figure out what I can do. So I think my million dollar idea is I want to open a chain of poutine windows in college okay. towns, like where the bars let out. I want a window, yes. and you can, and we'll have like five different kinds of poutine. And no, no seats, no nothing. So we're, we're COVID-19 quarantine friendly. Yeah. We're all takeout and you, your drunk ass comes up and hands me seven fifty, and I hand you some poutine. So I'm like back to the Belgians. Cause I love Belgium so much, but I also like think that they've really perfected. I don't know why like fry trucks and fry stands aren't a thing in the U S like people in the U S love fries and they would pay good money to just yes. go to a truck and pick up some fries. Well, so and, I think that's fri- a great fries don't travel well. So if you could just get them at the truck and eat them right there, 
That's perfect. Yeah. And in, and this could be an idea for your poutine stand, but they have like, and they put them in the, this like little cone, like cup. It's almost like an ice Absolutely. cream. Absolutely. And you can like walk with it and eat it as you walk. Well, and, and so when we were in Italy, like 12 years ago, they had waffle stands everywhere in Florence. Yeah. And I'm, I'm assuming in Belgium, it's a similar, they probably stole it from Belgium, but why aren't there waffle stands every 10 feet here? I People think would it's do a that. missed opportunity. Like, I think we could have a monopoly if we started, got in on the floor of this, this business idea. Well, listen, you know, Panera Bread started in St. Louis and then took you, over. St. Louis Bread Co. started. Uh, I know. I've, I've eaten St. Louis Bread Co. in St. Louis. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. But this may be the next big thing. So, you know, you, you come at it from Missouri. I'll come at it from Florida and we'll just sort of meet in the middle. It'll be great. All right. This may be the last time you hear this podcast because Peter and I are going to be making poutine and, and yes. selling it to drunk college kids. But <laughs> if we have another one, I'll talk to you on Wednesday. All right. Thanks for having me, Andy. That's it. Thank you so much for listening. Next time, we'll probably talk about people who actually exist. And I think we'll probably still have some hot condiment takes, though. I, I don't know that we're going to be able to get through a lot of episodes without hot condiment takes because that's just kind of how I roll. But if you want to read more great stories like Peter's Speedy Flower story, you got to subscribe to The Athletic. If you're not already subscribing to The Athletic, you are missing the best sports journalism in the history of the world, or at least the, the most good sports journalism all put in one place. And there's more than you can possibly read. Even with sports shut down, we're cranking out great stories every day. Sports is going to be back pretty soon, just judging by the news. In fact... If you're reading our Major League Baseball coverage, you are seeing in real time how that league is trying to get back. Theathletic.com slash Andy Staples. You get 40% off your first year. Give it a try. Theathletic.com slash Andy Staples.